0: Hello everybody, Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Nationals podcast. Today it is Monday, September 21st, 2020. On today's show, we take a look back at the last three games of the Nationals series with the Marlins. They dropped three of five to the Marlins this past weekend. Then we look ahead to what the Nationals have in their final week of the season. It was uh, quite the sprint this year, which we're not accustomed to, but this is the final week of the season. We will take a look at what the Nationals have left in their schedule when they face off against the Phillies and the Mets to close things out this season. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, let's get to it today on the Locked On Nationals podcast. I already covered the Nationals and Marlins doubleheader from the other night. You guys can go find that podcast and the podcast feed that came out on on Saturday morning, so you can go check that one out right now. We're going to talk about the Nationals' Saturday night game, and then also the doubleheader they had yesterday against the Fish. So, on the Saturday night game, it was Marlins Nationals. This one was pitched by Mister Patrick Corbin, and that is where we have to go with this because Patrick Corbin had one of the rougher nights. I wouldn't. mean, I wouldn't say of his career, but of his Nationals tenure, that was for sure. And it wasn't like he uh, didn't go deep into the ball game. They kept him in there for a pretty long time, and he get, ended up getting through six full innings of work in this contest. But the, the Nationals lose this one, seven to three. Corbin goes six innings, gives up a career high fourteen hits, seven earned runs, gets seven strikeouts, gives up two home runs. He falls to two and six. Pablo Lopez picked up the win. He gave him five and a third innings, three hits, two runs, three walks, seven Ks. And for Patrick Corbin, it's been a difficult season. It's been an up-and-down season. The consistency has not been there. The fastball velocity has fluctuated. And also, too, I mean, I think guys are picking up a bit more on that slider. Yes, it can be a wipeout pitch at times, but there were a few instances in this Nationals-Marlins game where hitters went down and grabbed a slider low in the zone. Uh, and that thing needs to stay out. I mean, if it's, it's going in there at 89 miles an hour. And especially to right-handed hitters, if that thing's coming in there with not a good, not good enough break, not good enough velocity, and it's the location's not good, I mean it's gonna be feast. They're gonna feast on it. I thought the the challenges that he faced were ones that we've seen him face so far this season. I mean it, it feels like a lot of Patrick Corbin games have in fact been hit parades. Um, if you're gonna take a look at his stats really fast, save that Yankee start he had in the beginning of the season uh, in that three two loss, and he was you know he went six and a third innings. Only gave up one run, which was a home run, and got the no decision. Uh, Teams have gotten to Patrick Corbin this year. In the 10 starts that he's made this season, at least six times he's given up at least eight hits. Only double-digit hits one time, but it's not like, you know, he's used to having guys on base, but this season has been a bit different. He has the highest whip in the league among qualified starting pitchers, so I I think it's guys who have made at least eight starts, I want to say it is. Highest whip in the league at 1.53. The Ks, he's done a pretty good job. I mean, he's top 40 in, in the league in strikeouts. And that's always going to come, but his location of the slider and also to the fastball velocity just hasn't made Corbin as effective this year as he has been in the past. And so that has been an adjustment for him. Um, the, the 4.76 ERA, you know, I'm, I'm, I think that's going to come down next year, but I'm curious to see what adjustments he's going to make during the offseason and maybe if he can find a bit more velocity moving into next year. I thought one thing the Marlins did very well was keeping down Soto and, uh, Soto and Turner, especially in this game. Turner, not a great weekend. He was 4-16, for 16, so obviously I'm not going to say he was on a uh, you know, massive cold streak. But the Marlins did do a good job of keeping him down and keeping Soto and him down together in this game and not really allowing the Nationals to get much offense and take off. So those are kind of my two big takeaways from that game. Today's Locked on Nationals podcast is brought to you by Indeed.com. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more difficult. And It also makes it more important than ever, and Indeed is here to help you. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. which means more quality candidates will see it faster. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash MLB. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash MLB. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. That brings us to game number one of the two-game, seven-inning doubleheader on Sunday in game one, Of the doubleheader, it was Sandy Alcantara against Max Scherzer. This was an awesome pitching matchup. Both guys, uh, you know, Scherzer didn't have his A1 stuff, but he still brought, you know, most of his best stuff, and Sandy Alcantara pitched a really awesome game. To be honest, in a a 2-1 loss, this is one the Nationals should have won. Both runs were scored on errors. One was Luis Garcia throwing error to first. The other came in Max's final inning of work with uh, bases loaded. He gets a ground ball. Kibu makes a really good play in the hole, but uh at first base, unable to scoop the ball was Eric Thames and, and a play he should have made and allowed a run to score. And so, you know, Max I thought did a really good job in this game. And once again we talked about watching him when that pitch count rises what does he look like later in the game? And I thought he was pretty strong in this game. His final stat line, he ends up going five and two-thirds innings, five hits, two runs, neither earned, two walks, six strikeouts. Throws 119 pitches, man. And this guy, he's grinding out there, even when he doesn't have his best stuff. 3.67 ERA is what his ERA has now dropped to on the season. But um, yeah, I mean, this is one of those where he comes out as the pitcher of record, of, of loss, but neither run he gave up was earned. And so this is one of the situations where it's not really a loss. Like, this is not Max's fault at all. Yes, he loaded the bases in that situation, but he induced a ground ball that should have ended the inning. And uh, in my opinion, and, and in the scorebook's opinion too, it was an error. So that one's not on Max. Got late in the game, got deep in the pitch count, and it was one of those moments with guys on base where he has not been Max Scherzer this season, and he got the pitch and he got the ground ball that he needed to get. So I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be upset with Max here. I, I am one of the people that do think Max has shown some signs of deterioration. He's shown some signs of attrition. But right here was a spot where it was not on him. And we talked about this with Luis Garcia. And this could be something that next season you have to look at. Yes, we've been super impressed with his bat. But, you know, you have to worry about the defense at times. And, you know, he goes two for three in this game. And that's the positive. And, and maybe if they keep the DH that would be an excellent spot to see him in a lot of games. And there's some games too as well, you know, he could if Castro's not playing or they move Castro to third, you know, Garcia could be uh, could get a lot of reps there, but the defense, he's got to clean it up uh, if he wants to continue to play every single day because they do need his bat. I think with the way he's hitting, they're especially going to need his bat next season when they're not positive where the rest of the offense is going to come from outside of Soto and Turner. So it's imperative they keep him with what he's shown with his bat in the lineup, but he's going to have to clean up the defense if they want to play him every single day at second base, which I think they might. I mean, I think some of the plans might be to move Starlin Castro to third and have him be your everyday third baseman. But at this point in time, I'm not sure how confident you could be every single day, putting Garcia out there. Um, Because one of his, you know, in a game like this, I mean, he did cost them this game. He did give them the run that was even. I know it's, this is the season to make the mistake. I totally think that's, the way to look at this. But once again, we've identif- identified that problem with Garcia and that is something he has to address. So I think that's something to look at. And also shout out to Yadiel Hernandez for getting his first major league hit. The Nationals too, getting runners on second and third with no outs, I believe, in the seventh inning. They somehow did not and you know, push a run across and tie the game. Um, good job on Brandon Kinsler, But I mean, the fact these guys couldn't push one run across there and lost the game like that, was, um, was pretty upsetting. I think, I think you could tell they were upset because of the result of the next game. And one more thing to note too, the Nationals after this contest were lo and behold 19 and 31. So uh, they've hit the point this season that they did last season. And it's crazy to think that, you know, the way that season turned out, there's so much time left. And I mean, you know, by August or September where we're sitting right now, the Nationals were comfortably in the playoff picture. Um, not the case now. So it's interesting to think, but I mean, I don't know if the season at a full year with more time, the Nationals would be in good shape. Yes, they get Castro back, and yeah, um, Zimmerman will be playing, and you know that, that would be all fine and dandy. I'm not sure this group would be able to push across, but maybe hey, maybe they would with more time. You know, we didn't think that last year, but to me, this group obviously, you know, it's such a weird season, and this group is the way it is. Like the, the players in the group, you know, there's no Joe Ross to not, you know, to not be Austin Voth. I guess you could say. Uh, And, you know, for lack of a better term, but yeah, I'm not sure this collective will be able to pull off uh, not, you know, the great turnaround last year, but some kind of a, you know, good turnaround where they get themselves around 500 and back into playoff contention if it was a full season. So not sure about this group, but funny enough, they are back right now at 19 and 31 in the series finale. The Nationals beat the Marlins by a score of 15 nothing so much to like about this game but the big question was hey who are the nationals going to have start for them in this contest well they sent out the rookie ben bramer a 2016 18th round pick he was number 544 overall from auburn university and what did bramer do in his first career start he gave the nationals five strong innings of one hit ball three k's three walks 86 pitches gets through a five full innings and uh, the offense complimented the young man very, very well. The nationals scoring 18 runs on 15 hits. Ryan Harper came in, finished the job after James Borg gave up one hit, but Ryan Harper comes in and uh, he gets the last two innings. And you know, the story. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think this felt a bit cathartic for the nationals just because that game earlier in the day, like you could win that game and give yourself a chance to you know, win the series, just some positive momentum in general. And I think they took out their frustrations in this game. I mean, uh, Turner went two for three, his best game of the series. Garcia gets a hit. Soto gets three. Stevenson drives in a run. Cabrera goes three for five. Uh, Suzuki goes two for four. Uh, Jake Noll goes two for five. Robles hits. Taylor hits. Uh, Josh Harrison gets a hit. So, I mean, everybody was able to kind of contribute to this, uh, this effort. And for the Nationals, they were six for 13 with runners in scoring position. They end up getting home runs from Cabrera, Suzuki, Taylor, Turner, Robles. And, uh, yeah, I think it was nice to see kind of everybody contributing to a win in this situation. And, once again, the season is not going well for the Nationals, but I think it is funny that kind of in the situation where they're 19-31, um, you know, they they ended up... And I'm not sure how you guys are feeling, but when I watch these games now, I'm starting to think about... Who's going to be around next year and who's not? And I think that's a big topic as we approach the last week that I really want to dive into. And I'm going to talk to Connor Jones, uh, especially in this coming week because, you know, somebody's just got such a good feel for this team. And it's time to start looking at these guys that we've seen contribute this season and discuss, hey, are we going to see them around next season? How do they fit in to the Nationals' plans moving forward? And as kind of we look at that, you know, that's, that's going to be interesting. Before we do that, obviously, um, there's something to take care of, and that's the last week of the season. Coming up, the Nationals now have eight games remaining. All eight will be at home at Nats Park. They've got four with the Phillies, and they've got four with the Mets. Right now, the Nationals sit at 20 and 32. They are in last place. Uh, not mathemat- I don't think mathematically eliminated just yet, but obviously that's not going to be a playoff team. Once again, I want to see if we can get another quality. I'm looking at Eric Fetty. I want to get another quality Eric Fetty start. I think with what he showed in his last outing, that was so encouraging. And I'm just hoping that for a lot of the pitchers, it's about ending the season on a good note. And I think for them ending the season on a good note... And then for the young guys, you want to see the young guys, your Garcias of the world, uh, you know, even to some extent, I know he's not young and he's been around for a little while, but maybe, you know, Andrew Stevenson has been playing pretty well as of late, you know, Jake Noll, we want to see him end the season on a high note, obviously Trey and Juan. I mean, I think they're kind of at the point where they know that they're, you know, not just legitimate big league players, but like upper echelon big league players. So for the young guys, it's all about kind of getting that confidence, adding that confidence in. And hopefully, you know, th- those guys make a statement and can try, try to be a part in some way, shape, or form of the season moving forward. I think somebody at the plate who especially want to see some confidence from is Victor Robles because it's been up-and-down year for him, and that's somebody that they expect to play every single day in center field. The offense needs to come together and needs to be be providing them a, you know, somebody who's at least hitting over 250 on the season uh, in that center field position. He's got great speed, and so maybe if he can bring the bat uh, along with it, maybe the nationals can really start considering him for the front of the lineup every single day. I know they've thrown him in there some, but I mean, he's kind of been either in the back or the front. If you can bring that bat along a little bit and, you know, makes a good case, these back eight games, I know it's not going to be, you know, the end all be all here, but if you can bring that bat along and really start hitting some, they should begin the season next year with Robles Turner and Soto in the front of the lineup in some way, shape or form, obviously barring uh, some changes to the roster, you know, Castro is going to be in there as well, too, towards the front. But, you know, I think Robles could make a case for why he should be in the front of the lineup here if he can start hitting a bit more and and getting on base a bit more. So I think that's something to watch. All right, make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at LONationals. Follow me at Josh Neighbors. Also check out the Locked On MLB podcast as well as the Locked On Fantasy Baseball podcast. All of these things are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Before we go, I want to let you guys know that today's podcast is also brought to you by BuiltBar.com. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever. They have six new flavors added to their lineup. Caramel Brownie, Cookies and Cream, Cherry Bar Chia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, and Apple Almond Crisp. They also have those 12 original flavors. All of them chocolate, six with nuts, six without nut, coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, orange toffee almond, coconut, and peanut butter brownie. Right now you have a chance to win a free cooler with your next purchase. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED ON. You'll get $10 off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED ON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com and a chance to win that free BuiltBar cooler. Once again, BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED ON for $10 off.